Welcome to Reactive. Uh, I am one of your multiple co-hosts, Raquel Velez, and with me, I've got Henning. Hey, how's it going? Glattergots. Glattergots. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> That's your new nickname. Henning, hey, how's it going? Glattergots. <laughs> <laughs> or just GG. That'll work, too. <laughs> All right. Oh, yes, and we were, we were down at Khalil again. Yeah. Um, but he has, I think he has a pretty good excuse. Absolutely. You know, the whole, you know, baby. Yeah, thing, some big adjustments whatever. to make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, since he's not here, obviously, that means we are going to um, pick on him a little bit with our animal facts of the day. Um, he actually was the one who, who gave us a list of uh, mammals native to Germany. I believe oh, that was I missed list. that part. As long as you um, got it, that's, that's okay. good. That's good. Yeah, I got it. And so I have chosen the European hedgehog. Oh. Um, now, what's cool about the hedgehog is uh, the hedgehog got its name because of its percu- peculiar foraging habits. They root through hedges and other undergrowth in search of their favorite food, small creatures such as insects, worms, centipedes, snails, mice, frogs, and snakes. As it moves through the hedges, it emits pig-like grunts, <laughs> thus the name hedgehog. <laughs> that I did not know. Absolutely. That's, that's amazing. So is this the same? No, that's not a porcupine. That's different, right? Right, porcupine right. A porcupine is, is the... much bigger. Yeah, okay. Um, and when a porcupine gets scared, it like sends its spines out. Right, uh-huh. so like you don't want to get hit by a porcupine, but when a hedgehog is scared, it rolls up into a little ball right. to protect <clears throat> its uh, its very sensitive tummy, mm-hmm. and the spikes that it has on its back protect it from predators. Right. Um, yeah, there's but, uh, there's they, um, I don't know if I don't know if they're endangered or not, but they, you don't see very mon- many of them anymore, and unfortunately, like when you do, they're they're like flattened on the road. Aww. Yeah, it's very sad. They are nocturnal. Yeah. They are nocturnal, so that might might be part of it. Maybe. That's just possible. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so funny because it, in German, it's it's not anywhere even close to hedgehog. It's Igel, and uh, I don't know what that's Igel. supposed to mean. But then they do have Stachelschwein, which is like um, porcupine or, you know. Mm. So anyway, okay, interesting. Hedgehog. I didn't know that it actually derived from its activities so that's really kind of cool <laughs> i mean you know naming is the hardest uh the hardest problem in uh biology science so i don't know um <laughs> uh also they have about five thousand spines each spine lasts about a year then drops out and a replacement grows wow that's a little little spike thing um and then I thought this one was really in particularly interesting, particularly in the context of, of Khalil having uh, a baby. Um, baby hedgehogs are born blind after 32 days and their spines are soft. However, after about four weeks, the mother will take the young out on their first foraging trip and after 10 days, the family will separate. Wow. That's it. That's You're done. Fast. Good job, kid. <laughs> you spent a month in the womb, you come out, you hang out for a month, we go for a trip, you get a week, and then you're out. <laughs> See ya. Best of luck to you. We're rooting. Brutal. For you. <laughs> 
Instead, humans are stuck with kids for like, you know, ever. Yeah, uh, ever. that's right. <laughs> they might leave, so, but you're never going to stop worrying about them. So, yes, forever. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's the Well, uh, thank you for that. European that was uh, talk. very you're enlightening, welcome. actually. You're very welcome. Excellent. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, what's going on? Well, I... Uh, I heard some stuff in Slack, and then I heard some stuff on Twitter, and then on Nuzzle, and it has to do with this thing called yarn. And, uh, yeah, it's good for knitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess I didn't. I, when I first heard about it, I, I understood what it was, but I didn't realize Facebook was the one that came out with it. Mm-hmm. And the interesting part that I learned today was that Yehuda Katz is actually working on this thing too because mm-hmm. Facebook supposedly um, reached out to the major framework authors because uh, they wanted to make sure that it would work with their um, build pipeline. And I guess um, mm. there's, I think you had mentioned in the Slack channel that, you know, they, they take um, different concerns and prioritize them differently. It does about the mm-hmm. same thing, but in, in a different way. So for different applications, it might work better and for others, it wouldn't. Um, but I thought it was was interesting that Yehuda posted, uh, you know, this this um, this blog post and, and mentioned why he was um, sort of behind it or interested in it. And it wasn't really the tech that was secondary. It was the mm-hmm. fact that they have promised to sort of build, um, you know, this thing in the community and have a a similar process to what's happening in Rust and also in Ember where the community basically can make suggestions through RFCs <clears throat> and uh, have sort of a, uh, yeah, just a good process in place in order to, to have this be a successful open source project um, versus having that be an afterthought um, because mm-hmm. in his opinion, that whole infrastructure or the, the, the mindset on how to run the thing is something you can't really fix afterwards you have to do that from the get-go so that's why he's seems to be quite enthusiastic about it so i thought that was mm-hmm. pretty interesting yeah um so for our, our listeners um yarn is a, a javascript command line installation tool uh that basically works with the npm registry um it's it's essentially a replacement for the npm command line interface um and as Henning said, what they've basically done is they've they've kind of rewritten the, the the CLI in a way that prioritizes different things. They've they've made different decisions and they've made which as a result has different trade offs. Um, and so it might be the right tool for you. It might not be the right tool for you, um, and that's okay. Uh, the official NPM stance is. Cool. Welcome to the community. <laughs> uh, our registry has an open API, and you know this is what you know. We we love it when people try to do new things. Um, the, all that said, uh, like it's it's tricky because I think um, at npm we have the CLI team who have been working nonstop for the last two and a half years to really build the best CLI that they can, um, but they have so much more because of the number of users that we have and the kind of legacy of the npm cli there's a lot of 
um, it's it's only you can only move so fast and you can only make so many changes at once. Um, and people really rely on NPM, uh, the the CLI as as it currently exists. So, like, massive shout out to the people at NPM who've been working on this tirelessly. Um, at the same time, you know, welcome to the new, welcome to the to the club. You know, folks behind Yarn. Um, you know, we're really curious to see what y'all come up with. Um, so there's been there's been some interesting Twitter chatter, but I think for the most part it's been pretty positive, and I'm really happy to see that. Um, it's very easy for people to kind of get a little gross. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but also but one thing that uh, as, yeah. that Yehuda Katz mentioned, and and this is this is one of the reasons I really um, admire him. He's 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 basically has very you know kind words to say about. Um, the NPM CLI and and he admires it and he understands that it you know it's it's a project that's enormous and it serves an in just an absolutely enormous uh, user base and it has different mm-hmm. concerns than yarn probably you know and right. um, he doesn't right. um, he he actually even says that the NPM CLI it gets a lot of flack and it is vastly underappreciated those are his words because mm. you know people yeah, like you said, it's easy to criticize and, and not understand the decisions that have to go in there and that mm-hmm. a very large user base has to be supported and that's why certain decisions have to be made. And mm-hmm. like you said, there's trade-offs to that. Totally. So, yeah. Totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, you know, yay, evolution. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's just kind of how it goes. And I think that's, I think it's cool. I think, um, I saw some people who were like, oh my God, this thing is the greatest. It's so exciting. And then other people were like, I tried it, didn't like it. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. I'm sticking with the regular one. And it's like, okay, cool. Good yep. news. You have yeah. options. You can. Exactly. And <clears throat> to be fair, this is not the first uh, like alternative command line interface for the NPM registry. This is one of many. It just happens to be the, the biggest kind of fanfare behind its launch because it's by it's it's it was started by people at Facebook and they have the Facebook PR team and you know all of that good stuff. So um, there are lots of alternatives out there, and you know feel free to try them or not try them or whatever. Yeah, just I keep have, coding, um, have fun. <laughs> there's a few of them in the in the in that list um, uh, on the NPM blog. I've never even mm-hmm. heard of IED. And then there's oh. PNPM and NPM install and NPMD. I think one of mm-hmm. those we talked about at some point. Um, yes. But, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's a few <laughs> around, and, and it's no wonder mm-hmm. that the Facebook one makes the biggest noise. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's fine. It's totally fine. Yep. It's totally fine. So, anyway, yeah. so that's cool. Um, yeah. Hey, so you had. Um, a really big rainstorm come your way. Oh yeah, week. yeah. We got so lucky. It's not even funny. Oh, really? My gosh. Oh um, my goodness. Yeah, because this thing, this thing was um, what is it called? Major hurricane. So it was like sort of off the charts, and uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately, some people, you know, down in Haiti, and um, we're not we're not as fortunate. But we were lucky that it basically it didn't really make landfall, and uh, sort of. Oh wow. We just had a day off. Friday, we closed down the office for, you know, safety reasons because it you never mm-hmm. know. We were still in the cone of probability or whatever it's called. 
So we mm-hmm. could have potentially gotten hit, but we weren't, and it just ended up being a mildly windy day with some rain, and that was about it. So mm. lucky. Nice. But it can go totally Very the other lucky. way. I mean, that's what happened to us in uh, 2005. There was a storm mm. that was supposed to go up up the Gulf Coast, and in the middle of the night, it it did a 90-degree turn and came across the state and hit us head-on. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. So that was not fun. I can say I've never been that scared of nature in my life before. Oh! <laughs> I had be- I was so freaked out because that was my first hurricane anyway, so I boarded up the place. And then okay. we, we sat inside in the dark, obviously, and with flashlights and stuff. And the big sliding glass door to the terrace mm-hmm. was moving about two inches back and forth from the pressure outside. It was ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and that, that had half-inch plywood... On, in front of it so yeah oh, no. <laughs> that was insane well that's florida for you yeah. hurricanes sunshine comes with hurricanes <laughs> <laughs> out here in the bay area we have earthquakes but i mean we're actually we're actually due for a really big earthquake uh, don't say that like it's well it's it's really overdue like you talk to any geologists uh, uh and they're like yeah california is a bit like hundred years overdue for a really big earthquake. <laughs> oh, even bigger than the last one that was kind of big? Yeah. Oh, well, wow. okay, maybe 50 years. I mean, like, it's, there's supposed to be one, and we just haven't gotten one at all. Just because so, all this tension is building up in the plates and it hasn't been released. I guess. Uh, I don't know. We had some little ones. But you weren't there for the last pretty big one in, the, like, the 90s, right? No, no, I, I I did not get the Loma Prieta. However, I was in Southern California for the Mexicali earthquake, oh. which was in the early two. Th- oh, it was around. It was two thousand ten, mm-hmm. um, and that was interesting because you're like, ooh, I'm on a roller coaster all of a sudden. Except I'm in my own home on nice. my couch. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. No, so that was yeah. Luckily for us, that was a non-event and. Hopefully That's there won't good. be any more this year. I mean, it's October, for crying out loud. Should Is be, it should be the end. the end of hurricane should season? Be, okay. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. climate change. Do, yeah. Do, do. yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, I went ahead and upgraded both my phone and my computer to iOS 10 and uh, and or sorry, yeah, and Mac OS Sierra. Now it's called Mac. OS as opposed to OS X or 10. Oh, brave. <laughs> How did that go? <laughs> um, actually, fairly easy. Mm-hmm. Um, not really. I think the bigger shocker for me was uh, going up to iOS 10. Okay. Um, like the notifications are totally different looking. Uh, there's, I actually kind of like it better. But at the same time, it was just a little... It was like, oh, this is different. Okay. With Sierra, though, I'm not really noticing anything majorly different. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there are some little things, but according to my sources, this is kind of just in preparation for whatever the next one will be, which will be, like, really different. Uh-huh. Um, so this one... Eh, uh, however, I did learn the hard way what happens when you forget the passphrase for your SSH key. Uh-oh. 
I had to just generate a brand new one. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have but, that in a password manager? I do now. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't before. I was like, hey, wait a second, what's my passphrase? And then I tried like four different things and I was like, forget it. Yeah. I'm not going to remember this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I... Um, so. That's actually a funny topic or sidetracking, but I just because of this move, there was so much information that I needed on hand while mm-hmm. I was still sort of not having my documents and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I made very heavy use of 1Password on our phone. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, so, I mean, there's others too, but this is super nice now. Um, you can put all sorts of things in there, including documents. So I have like, you know, scans of our passports and, and stuff like that for when we need that. I can just pull it up and have that information. And, That's uh, smart. I haven't like actually that. uploaded any documents into one password, yeah. but that is a really smart idea. Yeah, I mean, yes, because it's handy. On the other hand, now you're putting your info out there even more uh, or even more information out there. It's um, true. But then again, I'm like, okay, I still haven't gotten my accountant to stop mailing my tax returns just like that as an attachment you know it's like i've mm-hmm. told him again this year like what are you thinking this has all <laughs> my information in it and that of my children what are you doing <laughs> like, all right note to life. self hack into uh <laughs> hangs <Great>. email to- <laughs> <laughs> uh. yeah although it, it occurs to me like we store all sorts of things into our email without even really thinking about it yep Right, Absolutely. like my my address, my social security number every once in a while gets put in there. Yep. Like I had to, uh, I had to send somebody. Uh, oh, when I was going to Scotland, I wanted to book a couple extra rooms, um, but they didn't want to do it. Like they were like, okay, if you're gonna do this, make sure you call us or fax us. And I was like, I'm in the U.S. Calling, calling. Scotland is going to be like expensive, mm-hmm. so forget that. And then it was like, or you can fax us. And I was like, I don't know that A, I have a fax machine, and B, even if I did have one, I'm not sure I even know how to use it anymore. <laughs> um, and so I emailed them, and they were like, oh, yeah, no problem. Here's the form. Just fill it out and either fax it to us or email it back. Mm-hmm. And the form is like, okay, what's your credit card number and, you know, uh, all this other, and your passport information. And yeah. I was like, I don't really want to email this to you. So what do I do? And so I actually found this uh, this kind of app or like a web app online that you can, you can put information, it like basically secures, it's like secure email, mm-hmm. kind of. And what they do is it's a... It's like a one-time use email that uh, you send it, and when they you send them like the like it'll send them directly your like a a, a SHA mm-hmm. link or something, and then they click on it, and then like it's it only works that one time and then it expires and then yeah. it expires or something like that that's really and cool I, was, I wish i wish yeah. that dropbox had something like that because this is what i'm doing mm-hmm. now it's like if i send mm-hmm. if i want to send a document to my accountant who then turns around and emails it to me is i put it in dropbox and i send him the link and i tell him when you're done let me know and i'll take it out 
right? So, right. and this is because I stopped using the service called Spider Oak, which basically encrypts everything mm-hmm. uh, on your desktop and then sends it into the cloud, and not even they supposedly have access to it because you generate the key yourself. And right. they have this feature where you can send someone a link to a file and you can set the expiration. So you can say expire in 72 hours. Mm. That's basically the same thing as you just mentioned, which would be right. which is super useful. You know, then you don't have to worry yeah. about it. Um, Dropbox, I guess, has some concerns because that's not, I don't know the security behind it, but that wasn't sort of the first thing they thought of when they when they built it. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is it's a huge problem and and yeah. people don't don't think about it. It's you know, um, mm-hmm. I have four hundred and some items in my one password thing now. So that's four hundred different accounts with passwords. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, well, the good news is that it, it's encrypted, right? Yeah. And yeah. So, it but is. yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. So anyway. you had to create a new passphrase yeah. yeah so i had to do that and then you know but it, it ultimately wasn't really the end of the world oh but my sublime text 3 doesn't work anymore so i had to switch over to adam <gasps> what what do you mean i it know work anymore? i don't know it doesn't work like i try to open it and it's like and i'm like ah! and so i stuck with adam for the moment all right it's okay though because i'm not really really coding coding right now yeah. I'm too busy managing, but yeah. Speaking of managing, so I mm-hmm. would like to, so I work in a fairly small team right now. Um, we are mm-hmm. seven-ish people, and um, we are supposed to triple by the end of next year. So um, there's not that much structure in place yet, mm-hmm. and um, I sort of want to put in place like style guides and things like that because I can already see that people are all over the place and it'd be nice if we could just you know use a an official style guide from someone or some company and plug that into our editor and have it enforced Um, Mm -hmm. but I can see that you know some people are very receptive to it and others are not at all (laughs) they are yeah somewhat resistant so I was just, in your experience, is this something that you, you know, you try with a carrot for a while, and then if it doesn't work, you just say, okay, this is what we're doing, everybody's going to do this. Or, like, <laughs> what, what's the best approach to, to, like, get everybody on the same page? Yeah, so, um, okay. So, specifically, when it comes to... Style guides. I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about code style guides, Correct. not yeah. like CSS style yeah, guides. Yeah. Um, so with code style guides, uh, there's stuff like standard um, in like the JavaScript community. There's there's an actual package called standard, mm-hmm. which it's like the ultimate compromise for JavaScript. Um, and what it does is you set kind of your your standard for it and like there's a an out of the box standard which drives everyone just a little bit nuts it's like that's why it's a perfect compromise because yeah. like some people are like super pro semicolons 
And standards like, nope, no semicolons. But then other people are like super, it's like really important that we have a space between the word function and like the first uh, paren. Mm -hmm. And it's like, nope, you know, and like, so like everybody's just a little bit annoyed at it, but because everyone's a little bit annoyed, then everyone's willing to work with it. Mm -hmm. Um, What's nice about standard is that you can code however way you want. And then on commit or something, It'll oh, so you do it, it'll reformat it okay. for you so that at least all of the code is consistent, mm-hmm. even if you yourself are not interested. Um, every team at NPM uses standard except for the web team uh, because I was really adamant about semicolons from the beginning. <laughs> and I didn't know about standard at the time. And so I was just like, semicolons. <laughs> um, and so we ended up using ES formatter. Uh-huh. Um, now what ES Formatter does is different to standard. Uh, it sits in your in your um, in your editor, and when you press save, it just reformats it for you on the fly. Mm-hmm. So again, you can do whatever you want, but it'll reformat it um, according to the rules that you set. Okay, and, and these are good enough that what comes out is actually good. Um, yeah. Just, oh yeah. yeah. No, it's it's totally fine. It'll like auto indent for you, and it'll uh, put now, it, ES Formatter won't automatically put semicolons in for you. Um, so I have a thing for that, but whatever. Um, <laughs> so so that like, sounds yeah. like there was sort of a half and half kind of thing, or maybe this was because you were there, one of the first, or the first, actually, haha, mm-hmm. and you started a certain <laughs> thing, and everybody else just had to sort of fall in line if they were on your Yeah, team, right? kind of. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is that once you introduce it, there's mm-hmm. not really any way of going back. Because you're going to end up having one massive commit to change everything yeah. uh, in yeah. the code base. And then everything will just kind of be formatted. Um, now, so that, that's that's my specific advice. Now, the more general advice about getting, how do you get buy-in from everybody? Um, but so, the, so the general advice is basically go with something that is not your own. It's, it's sort of like a, a community standard mm-hmm. or, or something that's like well-known or generally accepted. So everybody has to have or make some compromises and it's not like one person gets to get all his or her stuff and the others have to just you know suck it up (laughs) right definitely definitely i mean there's also something to be said about just kind of the people side of things um a lot of times people will act like they care when they don't actually and the reason that they will act like they care is because um maybe in the past people have just kind of steamrolled over them and were like, yeah. here's what you're going to do and there's nothing you get to say about it. Right. Um, so from a managerial perspective, what I often do, and we're actually dealing with this right now in our team, we have like a technical decision to make and there are two camps and it's like, uh. <laughs> okay, we have to make a decision here. Um, so what I generally do is I talk to each person individually and I mm-hmm. say, hey, okay, here's our problem. Right? I just I start off with the problem mm-hmm. and then I do this thing which is, a little bit, uh, I, I, my friends who are parents say that this is really common in parenting, um, where you're basically like, okay, here's this problem. We have two options. It's not actually true, but you know, let's just, let's just stick with two options. We have option A and we have option B. Between those two, what are the things that concern you and excite you about each one? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what you get out of that information is you find out, uh, what is like what are the really big fears like what is it that's actually freaking people out and if it turns out it's it's not actually anything that big then 
you know, you can like the goal is to address everybody's fears. Um, and then because sometimes it turns out that there is actually consensus. They just didn't know that they were being heard mm-hmm. um, and being able to ask them individually to say, OK, so what is it that freaks you out about like having an auto formatter? And it might just be like, well, it doesn't match my style. Right. Or um, I don't want someone else to have to choose for me. Um, I don't want to like have to whatever. And then so in that case, maybe the, the, the answer is you have something that happens after the code is written. So something like standard or maybe someone else's or, you know, maybe the fear is I don't think I'm going to remember to do it all the time and I don't want to get yelled at. And it's like, yeah, okay, it's well, then let's put it in your editor. Like yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So let's put it in the editor with ES formatter and let's just have it. Right. And so you can talk to each individual person and then and then you have a, a like a, a 10 minute meeting. We're like, OK, so we have to make a decision. But you do this after you've already talked to everybody. And then so you kind of already know uh, what the decision is going to be before you start the meeting. But mm-hmm. at least you can you can like then go around the room and everyone can be like, this is what this is how I feel about it. And you can be like, OK, let's address concerns A, B and C with this and then D, E and F with this. And then, hey, can we come to a compromise here? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's obvious. And it's like, cool. <laughs> and then you're done. And, and everyone's like, wow, that Henning really knows how to manage people. That's amazing. <laughs> and the the key to it is just to actually listen to everybody and assess address assess and then address their fears uh and concerns but so basically also let them (laughs) let them be heard basically by you yes and and let them talk it out and that might Mm -hmm. even be all that's needed it seems like oh yeah Yeah. oh yeah i mean most of the time people just don't want decisions being made uh about without their like without their consideration mm -hmm. 90 percent of the time they don't actually even care what the decision is they just want to make sure that their voice is heard yeah (laughs) interesting that's fascinating Okay. okay Very good advice. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm sort of, um, I don't know what you call it. I guess evangelizing certain things and mm-hmm. and you know like showing my enthusiasm for for various technologies and stuff and and um, you know for the most part it works quite well. I've already got you know JSON API <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. sort of approved and implemented, or we're we're in the process of implementing it and. Um, there's just other things that I see that, you know, cause so much inefficiencies and it'd be nice if we could just, uh, come to agree to that, but that doesn't seem to be so easy all the time. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, see what I can do. <laughs> People. Yeah. People are the hardest part. <laughs> I will take technical issues every day of the week, but, but, you know, human issues, uh, come first. Yeah. <laughs> Technical issues are so much easier, I promise. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. All right. Oh, yeah. Um, so I thought there was a really interesting conversation that happened in our Slack channel as well um, about remote working. Ah, yes. Did you, did you I, see it? I saw part of it. I sort of got it in between running around and stuff um Mm -hmm. i saw what that there was a conversation about it but i don't know in detail okay so maybe you can recap yeah totally um so basically uh it's so someone was basically trying to talk about how it started out by talking about how somebody wanted to 
um, hire somebody. Uh, like their company was hiring and like nobody was biting. Like, so so this person said, hey, can, can y'all take a look at the, um, the job description and like the posting that we've put out there? Like, why aren't we getting any candidates? It doesn't make any sense. Um, and then somebody else was like, well, you know, it's tough, especially when you're in like a smaller town or uh, a town that isn't as heavy into into tech uh, to get, you know, really good qualified candidates to, you know, suddenly be like, oh, yeah, I'm totally interested in your company. Let me apply for a job. Um, and so they were like, well, have you considered having remote people? And the the original person's response was, well, the company isn't really interested in having anybody remote. Um, and so, and then thus a, an interesting conversation ensued discussing like the merits of having remote, um, but also like the pros and cons of having a remote friendly workplace. Um, and I was thinking since you in particular have now had both the like totally 100% remote experience and now the totally 100% in the office experience, um, I'm curious about your kind of pros and cons of from the company's perspective of having remote people versus not remote people. And then also from your personal perspective of remote versus not remote. Yeah. Well, I would say that my my situation was less than ideal um, okay. because the company, well, it, it, it started out like this. Basically, the company was still fairly small and uh, needed someone and the basically the director of IT knew me and <clears throat> we came to some arrangement where you know I was already two or three hours away from the office and I we had just had our first child so we agreed that you know I'd come down for certain meetings and stuff like that to the office and then the rest of the time I could be remote and uh, the team was two me and one other guy <laughs> and so <laughs> so it was very very easy to, to, mm-hmm. to do this because either we could be on the phone or we'd have, you know, um, whatever, Google Hangouts or whatever chat client we used at the time. And it mm-hmm. worked because, yeah, the team basically was remote, you know, because, yeah, it was me and him. It doesn't really matter where he was. We were still not sitting together. So it, it worked mm-hmm. out great as far as um, the aspect of... Uh, yeah, the process, I guess, of um, communicating mm-hmm. and um, we were in the same time zone and all that. And, and it was, you know, we got along and it was it was fine. Then, though, the team started to grow and it became mm-hmm. more difficult for me because the team was grown in-house. They did not take on any more remote people. So the um, the focus was not really on yeah on growing a remote team or or a blended team or anything like that it was sort of yeah we have our developers and then there's this other guy handing he's out there so i was sort of um in meetings and things like that as far as being included etc a bit of an afterthought and uh that was that was not fun i have to say um so the the isolation grew and grew and it was uh, it kind of sucked um, the reason I sort of put up with it is pay was good um, and flexibility was amazing and they didn't care whether I was in Europe or wherever and so um, 
that that worked out fine until about yeah six months ago when I said okay I can't do this anymore and um, I worked for I started working for this company that I'm with now where I was also remote and um, there the time zone problem was was enormous and uh, we had like two hours overlap in the day and that didn't work very well either in the beginning but now that I'm in the office you know we have other remote people, but they're in pretty much the same time zone, and uh, that works nicely. So, I guess all that being said, as you can see, the 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 sort of the common thing here is that the companies are not necessarily focused on remote, and that's sort of bad for, I think, the company itself because people become you know isolated and disinterested and probably will leave, and um, it's also yeah, it's not a lot of fun for the people out in the field because they're kind of cut off. So mm-hmm. um, I'm now very, very conscious of this, and I try to, you know, talk to the remote people um, just for no reason at all. Just say, hey, you know, and mm-hmm. um, because I, I've been on that side, and um, I think we have to, because of our, our location, we are going to have to grow uh, our team as a mixed team, which I think is probably the mm. hardest, um, yeah. because it's yeah, it's it's extremely hard to do because you have to have everybody at the office on board, and if you have people that have never worked remote, they don't know what you're talking about. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's no big deal. I'm just gonna you know walk over to his his office or cubicle and talk about this, right? But mm-hmm. if that affects the person that is you know a few states away, that's not good because now he's out of he or she is out of the, the loop. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so my experience has been good in the beginning, and then as the team grew, just because the company's focus was not on it, not not the mm-hmm. best. But I think mm-hmm. if, um, if people or the companies are forced to or, or just want to focus on this from the beginning, it can work quite well. Um, some things I always hear is is time zones. You know, I see a lot more ads when I was when I started to look about a year or so ago. A lot more job postings that they say it's remote, but they um, they they sort of uh, limit it to certain time zones, right? They might, they want to be maybe one maximum two hours difference with you know between the team, <clears throat> and you know a lot of people criticize that and say, well, you're not really remote and stuff. But having a, a a person in a six-hour different time zone makes things extremely difficult. Um, mm-hmm. Just with staying in touch, and if it's more than that, then it's even harder because when are you going to find time to to do things um, together, you know, or to even talk? So, mm-hmm. um, no, totally. Yeah, so I think it can be done. I, I've heard of a lot of companies that do it and supposedly do it well. Um, I personally haven't experienced it, but I am probably <laughs> going to be faced with this and I will do my best because I I have sympathy mm-hmm. for for the folks out yeah. there. And and you know, sometimes like like they said to this this person in Slack, you know, you might not find anyone that's local or willing to move where mm-hmm. you are. So then you're almost left with no choice and then you have to put a lot of effort into making it work. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think, I think the conclusions were either accept the possibility of a remote person or, um, 
find somebody who's uh, not quite as experienced as the person that you're looking for and grow them internally. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's a, that's another kind of option um, though just as difficult and, but in different ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. NPM is, is kind of a 50, 50 uh, remote and local. And it was really hard at the beginning. Cause at the beginning we were trying to stay a hundred percent local, but that's that's really hard to do um and uh so we started expanding to including people who are a little bit more remote and um and so it's interesting because on the engineering side of things we have three teams one of which is 100 percent remote one of which is 100 percent local and then another of which is 50 50 Mm. and (laughs) and um and so, like, the rem- the 100% remote team has its own interesting challenges. Uh, the hun- and, like, so each one of those teams actually has its own challenges and successes uh, that the other ones don't experience because of the, the discrepancies. Um, the, the web team, the one that I'm in charge of, is the 50-50 team. And so we have two people who are, uh, who for the most part work East Coast hours, and then uh, we have two people who are local who work West Coast hours. And it can be like it's it's taken us, I want to say it's taken us about a year and a half to figure out how to really communicate and be all on the same page. Um, and a lot of it, a lot of it comes down to just acknowledging that, hey, these are people who are, you know, who are like these are people just like everybody else um and sometimes we have to just take some time during our meetings to just be people um i think a lot of people think oh well i have a remote person uh fine whatever like like i think there's a tendency to have meetings and just start the meeting get down to business uh finish the meeting and sign off um and when you're a remote person that is literally the only time you get to interact with your coworkers. And when you're a local person, it's not. It's You're like, oh, okay, hey, remote people. And then you sign off and then you turn to your buddy at the table and you start talking about, you know, oh, did you hear about the, you know, Samsung Galaxy Note 7 is no longer allowed on <laughs> yeah. on airplanes because it explodes. And like, you know, you, you start to have a laugh and it's like, the remote person is not involved in that conversation. They have no concept at all because they are 100% completely cut off from it. Um, So what I try to do on our team is like, I let the tangents happen. I let the tangents, because like we'll start talking about work and then all of a sudden we'll just start talking about, I don't know, bunnies or whatever, Mm -hmm. random animal fact that I learned that, that day and and then we'll just start laughing and having a good time and then I'll bring it back in and like, okay, back to work. Um, and so does that mean that we end up having like properly hour long meetings instead of just half an hour? Yes, but I plan for it. Right. And the point of that is to make sure that everybody on the team knows that the other people are on the team are all people and we can all just have fun and chill out and, you know, stuff. Yeah. Um, well, there's so. there's so many, so many little details you, you, you yes. can or... Well, I don't know if you have to consider, but it's nice if you do consider like, 
you know, people go to lunch together or the boss takes the team out to lunch, right? And you can only do mm -hmm. that if you're local. So what about the remote person, you know? I've heard mm -hmm. like companies that send, you know, um, gift, gift certificates for the favorite restaurant or whatever. And so the remote person can go out with his family or his significant other to have a nice mm -hmm. dinner, which of course isn't like the team building thing, but at least, you know, hey, they got some, they got a benefit while, because they were at the office and I didn't, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of yeah. stinks. Or if they're having yeah, like totally. a brown bag or whatever, you know, let them order out on, on the company time to have something mm -hmm. brought to their house or whatever, you know. Yeah. But it's so, I yeah, mean, exactly. it, it takes a lot of effort to do that, right? To first yeah. of all, think about it and then execute it in a way that is smooth and doesn't take up, you know, half of your day just to organize <laughs> these things, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it can be... It can be really so. Tricky. Did the did teams like the one hundred percent local, one hundred remote, and the fifty fifty? Did that just happen by coincidence, or was that planned, or is the person that has the hundred percent local team insisted on that? How did that happen at, at NPM? Um, it was it was totally by accident. Just organically um, that way. Okay. Yeah. So like the registry team, it was it like started out as local and then we hired our first remote person and then hired another remote person and then another remote person and then the local person ended up getting promoted and so left the team and so then uh someone internally to the the team who was remote became the manager and then all of a sudden it was like oh hey everybody on this team is remote huh. uh, <laughs> including the manager um and then the cli team it started out as local and then they hired a, a remote person and then they hired another uh, a local person and then the remote person decided to move to the bay area oh, wow. so so she she moved out and then all of a sudden hey everybody's local um so it's it's interesting now that said we have a really nice uh work from home culture so it you don't have to be in the office every day and i think that is very much thanks to the fact that we've made more effort to uh, make things a, a little bit easier uh, on the remote folks. That said, even coming to the office twice a week, you're still getting something that people who are 100% remote all the time do not get. Yep. Um, and so I'm constantly <clears throat> racking my brain for opportunities that we can make um, exactly to the point that you made, Henning, like we all, like, one of the perks of, of working at NPM out of the Oakland office is you get your lunch paid for mm -hmm. every day. As long as you leave the office and you go with your coworkers, NPM will pay for your lunch. Nice. But if you're remote, what do you do? You have to make your own lunch. You have to buy your own lunch and everything like that. And it's like, hmm, this kind of stinks. Yeah. So when they come into town, they get really excited. Like, yay, I get to go out to lunch with my coworkers. But they're only in town maybe two weeks a year. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm constantly racking my brain. Uh, I did this thing once where it was like a, a coffee date uh, amongst like 50-50 remote and non-remote. But it had to be from different departments and different groups and all that stuff where we just literally spent an hour talking about random stuff that is not even remotely work-related. Yeah. Um, and it was a huge hit. Because it was coffee break time. So, and everybody, like, it was intentionally early in the morning on Friday. So, all the, uh, early in the morning, 
West Coast time, which is the latest time zone. So everybody else was maybe in the afternoon or um, even in the evening. But, you know, you can have like a hot chocolate or a tea or a glass of water or whatever, like at any time, there's no food involved. Um, And it was just kind of nice because everyone was like, cool, we're all just hanging out and no one had to buy anything or anything like that. Um, so, but so you you had so. to explicitly schedule water cooler time, kind of, right? Yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, and I think it worked out really well, but we haven't done it again. Yeah, because it's it's a lo- it takes effort. a lot of effort to do that, right? Yeah, and it's yeah, yeah. Um, it does. So yeah, it's difficult. So I can I can see you know when people suggest, well, you know, hire someone remote. But um, if you're not, if you don't, if you haven't done that, um, mm-hmm. I can see how companies are apprehensive you know, to do so. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. it's not just something, oh, yeah, we're going to do it. And this person's going to work there and you don't have to, you know, work at it or or, or do mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. to ensure that it works. Because it is it is a lot more effort, I think, to mm-hmm. make, um, you know, yeah. the remote person feel like part of the team, not just, you know, from a from a technical standpoint that they have all the, the work information that they need, but just also... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a person, because yeah. Um, yeah, there's so much anxiety that maybe comes with you know not knowing what's happening at the office, or if you you miss a meeting or whatever that has to do with, like an, mm-hmm. I don't know if you can't attend an all hands meeting, or you miss all the chatter before that. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's um, as an employee that that really sucks because yeah. you know this yeah. is like important it stuff. Totally that's the direction of the company, and I didn't hear it, so I'm left mm-hmm. out, and I don't know. I'm in the dark. So all these yeah. these kinds of things that uh, affect your well-being and your, your happiness, right? <laughs> definitely, definitely. No, one of the rules we made um, relatively early on was uh, if it wasn't if it's not in Slack, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, because early, 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 there were moments when like I would be working from home or something, and it was just so quiet on Slack. I was like, what the heck is going on? I feel completely out of the loop. And they're like, well, you need to ask for information. And I was like, no, 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 no. You need to put the information in because I have no idea what to ask yeah, for. Exactly. And it wasn't until uh, one of our one of the members of the C team was working from home themselves and uh, was like, wow, it's so quiet on Slack. I have no idea what's going on. And I was like, well, why didn't you ask for information? <laughs> and they were mm-hmm. like, I didn't know what to ask for. And I was like, aha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so now it's very much a, like when people have in the air conversations, it is it, the onus is on the people who had the conversation to make sure that it gets recorded into Slack. Yep. Because otherwise there is no way for anybody to know. Right. But then I also feel like people have to acknowledge what was said because if you just send it out into e- into the ether and nobody says anything, you're like, well, okay, whatever, you know. So I mean, <laughs> these are these little human things that you need to you need to deal with, right? And you mm-hmm. have to think about. So I'm trying to make it an effort when somebody posts like uh, in our in our company Slack and we have like the general channel, I guess. If somebody's just mm-hmm. posts an article or whatever, and even if I can't read the whole thing, I try to make an effort to look at it and you know, give some sort of feedback because just to acknowledge that, hey, you know, he made an effort or she made an effort to, to say something, right? It's like when mm-hmm. somebody walks up to you and says something, you just don't just like turn around and walk away. <laughs> I mean, that's considered rude, right? <laughs> so, Wait, really? 
No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Maybe not on the West Coast. <laughs> totally kidding. Totally kidding. I've yeah, only but... done that like eight times. It's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, those are these little things you need to sort of think about and, you know, keep the fuzzies going, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally, totally. Yes. Oh, goodness. All right. So, anyway, um, I think that's our time. Yes. I think we did good. <laughs> good topics. Yeah, yeah. No, I think... Um, I, I mega mega thanks to the folks in Slack for starting that conversation, and, and um, I was like, ooh, oh, 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 I totally want to turn that into a um, a, a topic for uh, yeah, the awesome. next I podcast. Need to, I need to add the reactive Slack to my uh, installation at work. I haven't done so yet, um, but I think yes, that'd do be it. Okay, and then I promise I'll be more present. Um, I just you know. I haven't been around much. But, uh, yeah, I do appreciate oh. those conversations. That's that's very cool that that people have a place to come and chit chat about this kind of stuff. That's really neat. Yeah. I like that. Totally, totally, totally. Um, we have speaking of which, we have some more people in the Slack channel. Um, so welcome to. Oh my goodness, Oogie Boogie Voogie. <laughs> what? I missed that. <laughs> uh, uh, Marius Kaslaukas. <laughs> um, and also welcome to uh, Jay Redrejo, uh, Jose uh, Redrejo. Uh, and also welcome to SSW Don. I don't know what your real name is. Maybe I will find out at some point. Let me see. Do, 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 do. Don Hill. Okay, welcome, Don. Um, so holler, and yeah, thanks for joining our reactive Slack. Yeah, um, excellent. Anybody else who wants to join in, you can find the link. It's just like an auto invite uh, link on our show notes which you can find at reactive.audio exactly and uh, if you like the show subscribe to it on itunes and uh, leave us a review and i think that's it for this week i'm h gladagratz on twitter and i will talk to you next week yeah and you can i'm rockbot on twitter and you can talk to all of us uh via reactive pod also on twitter and um We'll chat with you next time. And Khalil is Khalil <laughs> tweets on Twitter, and he will be back soonish. Yes. All right. Eventually. Yes. I mean, all he needs to do is is you know, give that kid four weeks, <laughs> and then done. <laughs> it will walk and eat and do everything on its own. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's totally fine. Yeah. You know, ten days of okay, kid. Here's how the world works. Best of luck. We're rooting for you. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. And we'll find out uh, how that went <laughs> next week. I'm sure he'll have lots but to tell us. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, all right. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>